The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. In this edition of Who Saw She's in the Lab, Matt and Justin are giving their thoughts on a surprising second round of the NBA playoffs. Can the Celtics, Warriors, Knicks, and Suns make a comeback in their series, or are they destined for the offseason? We also give our thoughts on the potential matchups in the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. Don't want to miss this chat as we bring you the latest news and analysis of an exciting and unpredictable NBA playoffs. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod at gmail.com and follow us on all social media platforms for our latest content. And also subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are a proud member of Underdog Podcast. And now, Hoopsology's in the lab. Welcome to In the Lab with Hoopsology. I'm Matt Thomas, joined as always by my best friend and co-host, Justin Goodrum. Justin, how you doing, man? Doing pretty well, just uh, dodging these tornadoes in the Denver area. How about yourself? Yeah, not not quite tornado status here in Albuquerque, but a lot of wind happening. A lot of uh, interesting youth soccer events this afternoon <laughs> that I was a part of, but thankfully doing well and definitely excited to cover this second round playoff action question for you is this to you the conference semifinals or is it the second round what do you typically call this round of the playoffs yeah tomato tomato i gotta intermittently use both I don't, i'm not a line i'm not like having any allegiance towards any um identifier how about yourself Oh, uh, for me, it's it's passionately second round. I, I don't know when we started calling this. Maybe it's it's always been the case. I don't know. But it seems weird to me. Like, it just seems like too long of a title, like conference semifinals. Like, ah, I don't true. care about all that. Just wake me up when we get to <laughs> the, the conference finals. It sounds you know, more official with semifinals. It really does. But it, it also sounds... I don't know, like too serious or too technical or something to me. So for me, it's going to be second round. But honestly, I I don't care that much. I just always find it interesting because it, it used to seem like it was always called second round. But anyway, that's what we're discussing today. So just want to cover each of these series real quick, get some quick thoughts. None of the series are finished at this point, but the majority of them feel kind of finished at this point. So we're definitely going to go through each one piece by piece. And I want to start in the Eastern Conference. We're going to start with games that, uh, recording this on May 10th, by the way. So games that were uh, finished yesterday. And our first series, as you can see up on the screen, Philadelphia 76ers versus the Boston Celtics. You and I both had picked the Boston Celtics to win this series. We certainly weren't in the minority with that pick. What do you think happened here, Justin? Let me me just ask you, like, overall, are you shocked by this outcome? Why is this the way it is with Philadelphia leading three games to two? Well, I think we can say this for Joel Embiid and then with the Lakers, you know, big men matter. I I think... There's a situation where the three-point shot 
has been over glamified in some mm. cases and the importance of the big man has been ignored and just keeping it real we haven't really had that many good big men in the last you know i would say 20 years i mean i mean there's been a handful right there hasn't but they didn't dominate the league i mean there's certainly been great players i don't want to get that get that wrong but at the same time look at Embiid, look at anthony davis no one can stop them as well as Giannis, you know, and, you know, we saw with him, with him, with himself wanting a title. So I think that's the main thing is just Embiid realizing his potential, staying healthy, and we've seen it pay dividends. But I got to say with the Celtics, and I think this is another theme, I don't think we're seeing a team, I think the days of seeing two or three power teams dominate the rest of the NBA are over. I think it's a lot of parity, and I think the question is for fans and for your organization is, is there going to be patience to stick with a a team for a long time, like with the Dallas Mavericks or with the Spurs, when things don't go right, just sticking with it instead of being questioning if Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can play together? And I think that's the ultimate question, if the Celtics can be patient or will they just abandon it? Because to me, I think they got two future Hall of Famers and just, I don't know, getting rid of them for something else. I just don't see it, the grass being greener on the other side at all. But I don't know. They get a lot of questions to answer if they get bounced, that's for sure. But it's cool to see Embiid realize his full potential. I think that's great. Um, Tyrese Maxey's been a huge factor as well as James Harden. So I think and Doc Rivers, you can't dismiss his experience. And this is really a um, right of passage series for him through all the crap he's taken um, as a coach. Um, if they do prevail going to the Eastern Conference Finals and if they make it to – the NBA finals, um, this is a, this is a huge deal. So uh, yeah, a lot of questions, but to answer your question, I would say I'm a little bit surprised, but at the same time, I, you know, I've been on the NBA bandwagon ever since he's gotten to the league. So um, I'm not too shocked. Yeah. Well said on a lot of points there. want to go back because I, I agree with you. I think the impulse everywhere is going to be to, jump down the Celtics throats. If they lose the series, I guess the devil's advocate advocate would be this team for the past six years. Is it now has, has been together with the Tatum and Brown core. Maybe it's five years. Maybe I'm over overdoing that, but several years they've been together. Now Kyrie was in the mix for a minute there. There've been, you know, other iterations, but the main talent of this core has been together for a while. However, I feel like you, I would not split up Tatum and Brown. If you can sign Brown, if he's not going to be determined to leave, as some rumors suggest, you know, I would keep them together. I'm, I'm totally with you. And I think whoever else needs to leave, whether it's Marcus Smart, you know, if, if they don't bring back some of the key members of uh, those role player pieces, I think that's fine. I think you can still have a team that is, you know, at least a six seed or above moving forward and maybe even beyond that. I mean, this team started what 10 and one this year was super hot. We were talking about them being the greatest offense we had ever seen at one point in time with some of the guests that we had on uh, back in the fall of last year. So I don't think you split that up. I, I think you continue rolling the dice, especially since Tatum and Brown are in their mid twenties. So well said there. I, I think we're in agreement on that. And I think one of the other things I just, um, you know, with James Harden being a former rocket, 
I, I want to make sure that I give him a little bit of praise to where it's due. And he has been clutch. I mean, two game winners in this series against a legitimate opponent. So, you know, bravo. Hats off to you. I know Agreed. like game two, he was gone. Basically, uh, I know he can't bring it night in, night out the same way he used to be able to. And certainly like how he was able to during the grind of the regular season. But he's been an integral piece. Of, I mean, of course, Embiid is the centerpiece. But Harden has complimented him well. So I I have to give him credit for that and, and just give him a shout out for that. Something that we have not seen from James Harden in the playoffs, really. Yeah, no, completely agreed. And he, I think he was on a mission. Um, I think he dedicated um, his victory, um, I think, in the previous game to, I think he was either just trying to get, I, th- I don't know if it was the most recent game or the game before to one of the victims of the Michigan State shooting. Um, he just seemed really in a mission in that game, really determined. And we'll see if that motivation carries him throughout the playoffs. I mean, I don't think he has that assassin-like attitude like Jimmy Butler. So we'll see. If he does pick it up, then I think he's massively dangerous, and I think you can maybe pick, make the Sixers as a title contender, but it's been inconsistent over the years, so we'll see what happens. For sure. I want to move west to talk about the next series that we're covering. I would argue, and I want your thoughts, the the best series that we've seen in the playoffs so far. I'm talking, of course, about a game or I'm sorry, a series that Denver just took the lead in last night in another kind of thrilling game, but was never really in doubt in that game five, the nuggets versus the Suns. We've seen two, I would say very, very elite, even historic performances by Jokic and Booker on, on opposing sides there. Jokic in Game four, even though it was a loss for the Nuggets, he was the first center in NBA history to score above 50 points since Bob McAdoo back in 1975. So very impressive. He had 53 points and just was doing everything for the Nuggets, even though the Suns were able to hang on and win that game. Booker, just about equally impressive, especially with how efficient he has been throughout this playoffs, really. I mean, the the thing with Booker is degree of difficulty has been so high, and yet he's hitting all these ridiculous shots, uh, hitting stuff through double teams and, and things like that, really just seems to have that Kobe-like confidence. And we know that, that that was a huge inspiration for him coming into the league. So he is he is living up to a lot of that hype and that expectation for himself Want your general thoughts on this series? What what has impressed you with either of these teams? And is this the best series that we've seen in the playoffs so far? Um, I think so. I'm not surprised. I mean, this is a huge rivalry that I think really picked up in the bubble. I think they played. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, and and then you know, carried on um, after just that that COVID era. So, not surprised. It's been pretty competitive. Suns in four was yeah, that's uh, right. Was this series last year, yeah, I believe. That's, and I think the Suns will get a little bit of a pass just because of it's weird, right? How we have I don't know. We apply different logic depending on the circumstances. It's because Durant got there, team continuity. Like them just trying to fit in with each other. So 
the narrative will be if they lose, you know, Durant just got there. How will they mesh? Um, so I have to say, I'm not too surprised. I, I just think with Denver, um, like um, their head coach was saying, their defense has been non-existent. I don't know what's been going on there. That's been kind of their <laughs> bread and butter. So I think if they can get defensively on track, I still would favor them um, just to to finish it out. And then Chris Paul's been hurt as well. Um, I like the gazemanship. It seems like they have attitude, which I've never seen from a Denver team before. Just with the whole Matt Ishbia situation and then just um, the game after that, just with um, Durant pushing Jokic. And just I like them just being in, being in a huddle. I like that. But that shows that, you know, they got – you know, some personality to them. And I think that's important when trying to win a championship. And I think in previous years, even though I've been kind of rooting for Denver a little bit, I think they've always been kind of vanilla. And this is the first time I've seen them have a little bit of an identity, even with um, Malone. Um, he was commenting on <laughs> Matt Ishbia and he had, he had to use very colorful language. Just to yeah. describe what was going on. So that was I like that. I love it. Me too. I like I exactly. I love it. So I, I'm in totally agreement with you. So to me, I, I still favor the Nuggets here. I think just with the Suns, they have a lot of issues. And I think with DeAndre Aiden, I just again his performance has been very lackluster. And I think, you know, we're always critical of inside the NBA because I think sometimes with Charles Barkley and Shaq, they have this get off my lawn mentality, but they're right in this case. Like you want to be a pivotal member of this team and a, you know, even though he's not a max player, as we discussed earlier, um, he, I think he wants to be treated like a max player. I think we're in agreement with that. Um, his play has not been up to that standard. And there's going to be some serious questions of keeping him on this team as compared to the Celtics, which um, Tatum and Brown, which I just think, you know, Things just gonna fall your way. Here is a performance issue with Aiden, and I think there's some serious questions as to his future with the Suns um, if he does not improve his performance. And even if he does, I mean, unless they make it to the NBA Finals or something, like I think he's gonna be seriously questioned. Yeah, and with the way that Phoenix was constructed, you know, all the pieces they did give up. I mean, I I still. You know, I, I had my thoughts about that Kevin Durant trade, certainly uh, still do. I think the Suns won that trade. I, I do think they're going to be heavily favored for the title these next two years. But it is a situation where you did you did give up a lot and you're probably going to have to move Aiton in order to be able to retool or something like that or just cap space with with Chris Paul potentially something like that is going to have to give to give these guys a few more pieces uh another thing that's been interesting is is it does seem like in this series home court has been vital uh the bench plays a lot better uh, always traditionally at home and in this series it's a little bit more pronounced and it's a huge help to phoenix when they've been at home and and you have like shamit hitting more threes and and things like that and and those guys just a little bit more hyped and of course uh energized by that home crowd really felt that uh and the difference um that that has made i do see this series going seven games and justin to your credit i mean you called denver in seven and i i think you nailed it i think that's what 
we're ultimately going to see just feels like degree of difficulty, especially with Chris Paul being hurt and out is degree of difficulty is a little too high for the Suns to be able to finish this out. We'll see. They certainly have that talent that they could take over in game six and then game seven going against Booker and KD is is scary and could go either way if those guys are able to go off. But it feels like with Denver being home for that game seven, that's key. Um, so really have enjoyed this series. Do you think we get, do you think Jokic gets a little bit of relief of the, this sort of like playoff monkey, so to speak, that's been, been hanging on his back, you know, everyone pushing that narrative of like, well, yeah, Jokic is like regular season player, you know, almost kind of the same language that we've heard about James Harden in the past. Like this is just a regular season stack guy, you know, not quite to that degree, but feels almost that same kind of vibe. Do you think he gets a little bit of that shoot aside if he knocks out KD and Booker in this Suns team? I don't think so, <laughs> especially <laughs> this year. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about it late, later, but with the Lakers and Warriors, if the Lakers do prevail, I mean, we were, we were talking about the Lakers earlier. We've had multiple guests, Lakers fans, um, proclaim doom and gloom. And this seems to be prime for Denver to go to the finals if they lose to the Lakers. I think it'll be on Jokic. He'll take a lot of the blame. I think in NBA Finals appearances, mm. pretty much the only way to get that off his back. I think if they lose in the finals, I think he'll get some of a pass unless his performance just tanks, which I don't imagine that. He's always really consistent. Um, but I think he, he they got to go to the finals, especially now. Um, mm -hmm. Just because, wide open. I, yeah, it's wide open. The path is clear. Um, I just, I, to me, Denver is the clear best team in the West. Um, and if they lose, I, I think that. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, and if you look back at the nineties, a lot of guys get crap for losing to Michael Jordan, you know, yeah. like. You mentioned inside the NBA. I mean, Charles Barkley still gets dunked on all the time. He does. That, that guy was such a beast. Like I've, <laughs> I don't know. I'm at the point where I've I've gone so far the other direction. I'm like, man, give Chuck his due. That guy is amazing. If you watch him play, yeah. and a lot of people act like he was a scrub or something. I I can't believe it. But anyway, yeah. getting on a tangent. <laughs> um, but no, the the path to greatness is tough, and it should be. So I I don't disagree with that take at all. Let's look at another path to greatness, another historic path here. The Miami Heat up three games to one, playing right now as we record this slight lead against the uh, New York Knicks. This is unexpected to me. I fully expected, uh, I thought this series was going to be a tough fought battle, like grind it out, you know, punch, counter punch, war, switching off between games. Really, it's it's been fairly easy for Miami. It's kind of the story here. Even with Jimmy Butler spraining his ankle or or at least rolling it pretty bad in game two, the only game that the Knicks have won in this series. And the history that I was referring to earlier, there's only been one team that has been an eight seed and gotten past the second round or conference semifinals, whatever you prefer. And that is 
the 1998-99 New York Knicks, who made it all the way to the finals, as you remember, Justin, lost in the finals to the Spurs. The Miami Heat look like, and I'll just go ahead and lock it in right now, I mean, they will be the second eight seed in history to get past the second round. So the legend of Jimmy Buckets, who, as we've been joking in our group chat, is the greatest playoff performer apparently <laughs> since Michael Jordan. Uh <laughs> The legend of Jimmy Buckets continues to grow. So I don't know. I guess the the Heat have just outclassed, they've out-toughed, and they've out-coached the New York Knicks. Um, and so my main takeaway is I just didn't expect it to be this easy for the Heat. What are your thoughts overall on this series? Yeah, I'm in agreement. I just thought the momentum of the Knicks, just some unexpected upsets. This is their year, and I did not expect yeah. the Heat just to handle them like that. And I think a lot of the blame is going to go to Tom Thibodeau. Mm. I mean, look how it was. I mean, he coached my Bulls, and there was you know plenty of coaching things with him. And I think it could be possibly rearing his ugly head here in this series. And when you're coaching an experienced coach like Eric Spolstra, I think he's out of Pat Riley's shadow and has established himself as a premier coach in his league. I think the coaching disparity is pretty clear by what we're seeing. The Heat handle them, especially with Jimmy Butler being hurt. So, yeah, I think it's disappointing. I'm disappointed. It's weird because they're an arch rival of the Bulls, but I'm disappointed that it's not a more competitive series. It sucks. But at the same time, I think it's about time to put some respect on the Miami Heat's name. Uh, no matter what happens in the next round, I think they are a premier team in this league. And I think no matter if they have like a horrible start next season or they're like 10 games below 500, as long as they get into the playoffs, I mean, it kind of doesn't matter <laughs> what the regular season. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Never say never with yeah. the Miami heat from this point forward, just real quick thoughts. It's, it's not confirmed that this will be our matchup, but it may be a minute until we do another in the lab. So want your thoughts on advantages for, Philadelphia versus Miami series. I mean, is, is this where the heat get fatigued and meet their match uh, and maybe just don't have the size to contend with them bead, or do you see an advantage for Miami having, you know, been to the finals a lot more recently than the 76ers? No, it's true. And especially with the pressure, the heat are very battle tested. They're not really rattled. I mean, if they fall two games to nothing, it's kind of like they've always been disrespected. I mean, nothing's going to get to them compared to if Embiid's hurt. What happens? You know, especially in this high-pressure situation. They handled it pretty good in their previous series, but, you know, this is the Eastern Conference Finals where there's they've never been in this situation before. So there's a lot on the line, a lot of past history with Doc Rivers. Um, it's a lot of pressure, you know. And at the same time, Doc has that experience with the Boston Celtics. So... We'll see how that counteracts. It's a lot of different things that play. I do favor the 76ers. Um, if Embiid's healthy, I just think him, I think he'll overpower Bam out of bio. I just think that'll be too much of a difference there. Um, but we'll see. I think this would be a close series, and it wouldn't surprise me if it goes six or seven games. I, ho I hope it's competitive. <laughs> I just hope there's no injuries. I think it would suck if we just see like Butler hurt, Embiid hurt. You know, just something yeah. weird like that. I just hope that both teams are at full strength. Yeah. Yeah. I'm leaning towards like a Philadelphia in six, I want to say, just because I do think like you brought up, I th I think 
having the MVP on your team and seeing that he's been such a factor against the Celtics who have a lot more options, in my opinion, as good as the coaching is in Miami, as we just mentioned, I just think Miami doesn't have as many tools as the Celtics do. And I mean, you could argue even, even less in the interior, because if you get Bam out of bio and foul trouble, which Embiid very well may do, then you're really hurting in Miami. I mean, Kevin Love is not going to be able to to handle Joel Embiid on on the defensive end of the floor, uh, certainly. So there's there's a huge advantage there, and even in a shooting sense, uh, I, I think you may have a lot more accuracy, a lot more success on the Philadelphia 76er side. And uh, and this is coming from someone who underestimated them certainly <laughs> admittedly so against the Celtics. So let's move on to our last series here. And this is the Lakers versus the golden state warriors. Again, for me, another unexpected outcome. I, I think you put that very well in the beginning of the show, talking about the size advantage that uh, the Lakers had that a a lot of playoff teams that have been successful this year have had. And that was one of my notes as well is just underestimating how much bigger the Lakers are than the golden state warriors and how much that jumps out of the screen at you when you watch these games, like, Oh my goodness, there's just, there's a lot more length, even from players that I don't know as well as the starters. There's just more and more guys that LA has been able to bring off the bench to that, that have helped out. So I I do find this surprising. My other note on this series when we started uh, before this series started was that the Lakers are likely their, their biggest advantage will be getting easier buckets than the Warriors. And that has played out to a greater degree than I thought it would. I thought with the Warriors perimeter advantage, they would still outshine the Lakers, but the perimeter game has has not been there uh, for the Warriors like it typically is. It's there, but it's it's not been enough to counter what the Lakers have been doing. Also, I think the the Warriors have looked a little more gassed throughout this series, where to me it feels like the Lakers as they they get this championship taste in their mouth as they get closer to that it seems like they are revitalized and and they are getting more and more energetic and trying harder so those are just some general thoughts i had on the series what have you seen so far justin and do you expect the lakers to close this out well i watched the pregame and i'm in agreement with them that i think the lakers just need to play with a lot of energy and if they lose, it's not a bad thing. But if they just let the Golden State Warriors just destroy them, um, I think they had a really good point. Like that fourth quarter, if they get blown out, carries over to the first quarter of the next game. So I think it's vital for the Lakers to play with a lot of energy and play with a sense of urgency. Even if they lose, um, still keep that momentum. They're not let the Warriors just gain some sense of confidence because you never know if, you know, Clay Thompson or Steph Curry, they can just go off for just an insane night. So, but I'm in agreement with you, Matt. Um, I am surprised. I, you know, but at the same time, it's kind of a lot of these injuries, it's kind of hard to count on AD and he's been hurt as well. So, and, but we've seen that if he's, you know, as long as he's healthy, he's shown up and he was the difference in the bubble. I mean, 
that was a huge thing. And I think we've forgotten because he's really inconsistent that when he's out there, that really, really sets the Lakers apart. And that trade that we, we talked about earlier, you know, I think that's been a huge difference maker for this team. So, yeah, um, I, I think it's going to be interesting because this Lakers team, you know, was deemed a disaster. And, um, you know, now we have Patrick Beverly and uh, Russell Westbrook begging for rings if they win the titles. So we'll yeah, see that's if that's weird. Yeah. I'm down on that. To <laughs> me, me too. I'm, I'm, me I'm too. sorry, guys. Thank you no. for your contribution. But right. no, no, no. We improved after you guys left. Agreed. So, sorry. And just a thought for groveling for championship rings. It's one yeah. thing if, like, you don't say anything and if they give it to you, I'm like, whatever, that's a team decision. Right. But just to beg for it, like, you're just some person on the street. Like, come on. Yeah, it's kind of gross. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of gross. Yeah, I um, agree. So we had the Warriors versus the Celtics, obviously, last year in the championship in the finals, and the Warriors were victorious. They're the defending champs right now. We were talking about Boston and concerns about blowing it up, so I want to throw the same question at you with the Warriors, who are older than the Celtics, who have uh, much more money on the cap than the Celtics do right now. They don't have, like... Jalen Brown on a discount contract like the the Celtics do at the moment. What do you do for this offseason with Golden State? I mean, it seemed like the narrative throughout the season, especially with the PR around the Draymond punch of Jordan Poole, was like, and you know, you and I talked about it. They're like, man, it's it'd be weird to think of Draymond being back next year. But you look at the playoffs, Draymond has done good, positive things in the playoffs. He's still a gamer. It's, it's not going to be enough, in my opinion, to win this series against L.A., but, you know, you want to factor that in, whereas Jordan Poole's numbers, you look at that compared to last year, and in this series in particular, he's been almost non-existent. What do you do moving forward? Because it, it seems like something's got to give, someone's got to go with where the cap is, with how the CBA rules are changing and how much more restrictive things are going to be if you are over that cap. So what what do you think the Warriors do? I mean, are they in sort of like a, a blow it up type of territory? And what do you keep if so? Well, I think the main thing we, we can agree on is that they're kind of retooling of James Wiseman, Andrew Wiggins, Poole. I think it's been at best a disappointment and at you know worse a failure. Just based on the record and everything. Um, now we have to consider they won the title last year, so I, I think to call it just to be that dramatic. Um, I, I think similar to the Boston situation, I think there needs to be some reflection as to where this team is headed. I think with Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, those are two guys that you can keep. And like mm-hmm. Richard Miller said, shooting never leaves you. So mm-hmm. I, I'd be hard pressed to get rid of either one of them. I think Draymond, if he's attractive to trade, I would trade him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think especially his values up during this playoffs, why not get rid of him now? Hmm. Um, and see what you can get for him. And I have no idea what his value would be, but I would say with Poole and the others, yeah, I think there's some question marks there. And I think it's a question mark of how you want to build this team and how you want to, how they fit in the Western Conference. Because if you take a look, like, I mean, you know, other rising teams like New Orleans, they're inconsistent. You take a look at, you know, Phoenix, I still think, you know, if the Phoenix played the Warriors, I don't think that'd be lopsided in the in the Phoenix Suns' favor. Um, so overall, with the Warriors, I would 
give them a word of caution to just totally blow up this team, but there is some room for an improvement uh, for retooling what their framework's going to be in the future, that's for sure. Yeah, it's interesting to think about it. I mean, I don't know that it would ever happen, but it seems like a potential pathway for me. Like if if you think about Draymond, like your defensive leader, and then Curry, obviously the face of the franchise and and the culture of that team. If depending on how th- bad things are behind the scenes, I don't know. There may be more loyalty to Draymond at this point. If that's the case, mm-hmm. then I wonder how they're feeling about clay and how he's moving. And if you give Jordan Poole more burn next season to try to show him off before the trade deadline, even though he's on at this point, what looks like a bad contract, you know, I, I do wonder if that means you move clay out to showcase him and then get trade value for him and retool that way with sort of like Curry and Draymond staying in, you know, these are just yeah, outlandish tough. hypotheticals. Um, I would be bummed out if I were a Warriors fan to break up Clay and Steph, just because that's always been such a good, likable vibe. So I, I personally, even as an NBA fan, I would like to keep them together, uh, even if that means moving off of Draymond. But I just don't know structurally if that pulls them apart a little bit more to get Draymond off that team. And I wouldn't have thought I'd be saying this, you know, like six months ago when we were talking about Draymond punching his teammate documentaries and all that stuff. Well, the league has a lot of parody and it's really close despite turmoil. I mean, look at even with the Nets, right? I mean, they weren't like the 12th seed when they Mm -hmm. traded Kyrie and Durant, like, and it had tons of problems. So I think for a lot of these teams, I think there's a difference between teams that are absolutely successful in the playoffs and have varying degrees of uh, placement in terms of the the bracketing compared to like the Chicago Bulls in which you know they're deficient. Like that, mm-hmm. that team definitely needs to blow up. Like there's no if, ands, or buts, right? I mean, it's just, I mean, you take a look at Zach Levine and then without Lonzo Ball, I mean, there's very clearly there's some, some huge changes that need to be made compared to teams that consistently make the playoffs, consistently go to, you know, the conference finals, the NBA finals. I think it's some pump the brakes a little bit in terms of just trying to retool completely. So let me tell you on Rockets Twitter that I keep <laughs> my eye on, as you know, from time to time, ah. it's a big talking point or has been bring Draymond in. It's time. Bring Draymond to Houston. What can we give you warriors? You know, (laughs) Rockets talking a lot about looking for veteran leaders. Hmm. It seems like he would line up well with coach Udoka in terms of toughness, defensive mindset, those types of things. Savvy veteran that could lead that squad might be worth, honestly, the max contract while they have cap space and are able to do it. I mean, I wouldn't sign him for like five years on a max, but no, uh, I, it's an interesting proposition. No, um, yeah. And man, with Coach Doka and the things you hear about how tough he is and the things you've even seen of him chewing out the Celtics when he was on those sidelines and Draymond, I mean, goodness gracious. Imagine the intensity of those practices. <laughs> those poor young fellas are going to get, no. um, you know, put into shape. Yeah, <laughs> they'll get quickly. a championship mindset, that's for sure. So one so. last question, and then I know we got to wrap up, get out of here. In our, I, I want to do a way too early prediction in the Western Conference as well. Let's just you know play the odds here and say 
that Denver wins, even though Phoenix could still totally pull this off as we discussed. And let's say the Lakers win, even though I wouldn't have as much confidence in them coming back, but Golden State could come back potentially. But let's say we get Denver versus the Lakers. How do you see that roughly playing out? Don't have to go too deep with it. Do you see advantages somewhere? Who do you think gets to the finals from the West? We've got Philly, I think you and I both agree on and on the East. What do you see in the West? Um, advantages in terms of intangibles go to the Lakers. Um, mm. I think defensively, probably the Nuggets. Um, mm. The question is pressure. And LeBron's been there before with Anthony Davis. They've won the title before. So I just think when it comes to clutch plays, LeBron's always going to be there. And that's just, I don't know. I, I with the Nuggets, we haven't seen them in that kind of a intense situation like that. I favor Denver just in terms of their complete team. I probably picked Denver in seven, <laughs> just mm. in terms of the momentum of the Lakers. But if there's anything, if there's turmoil, anything that gets weird, the Lakers can capitalize on it. I mean, this is not a team to sleep on with veteran leadership. We've seen that with the Heat. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something to count on. But I, I would favor the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, I'm with you on this, and I'm someone who has uh, shortchanged Denver in this series to this point. I've I had Phoenix in six. Of course, that was before Chris Paul got injured, so don't dunk on me too much on that. But um, yeah, I I do think there's an interesting thing that we discussed with Brendan Vote, who was on the show. Shout out to him on DNVR Sports, um, doing great work covering the Nuggets there. Uh, he talked about how much Jokic admires Tim Duncan and kind of how much he wants, I think, to emulate the Spurs that he he grew up watching or seeing some of their games anyway. And I think there is sort of a like Spursy type element to this team where I don't think they they have more high-end talent overall than the Lakers, although I I do think it's close and Jamal has been great in, in this series so far, but I think they do fit and connect together as a roster and as a bench than the Lakers do. I think like LeBron and AD, their top end talent can make up for a lot of faults. And especially like we saw that in 2020 when they won that bubble championship, how well they paired together when they were firing. And finally we, we kind of see that again with the Lakers but I do think the overall balance of Denver and, and just how well they work together and move off of each other, I, I think there's some sort of intangible advantage that the Nuggets have there. So that's my take at the moment. So I think you and I are both in agreement that we're looking at, if we had to bet on it today, a Denver versus Philadelphia finals. What a weird finals matchup that is. But right. Then that's kind of a dream matchup too, because you get Jokic versus Embiid in the finals. Yeah. Like, all right, we duked it out for the MVP. We had all this controversy around that, blah, blah, blah. Let's see who's finals MVP. No, it's true. I love it. Yeah, (laughs) me too. Feels like a WrestleMania type of type of situation here. It's true. Hopefully the trash talk will match the hype. So we'll see. For sure. Right on, man. Well, always good to catch up with you and recap these series. Hope you guys enjoyed the conversation listening in. Let us know your thoughts. Who do you think is making it to the finals? 
Are we right in assuming that? Who has an advantage as we get into the conference finals coming from the conference semifinals or second round or whatever you want to call it? <laughs> Let us know in the comments. Thank you, as always, for supporting the show. For Justin Goodrum, I'm Matt Thomas. We'll talk to you again soon. Peace out. See ya. Hoopsology podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best, as you know, in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code Hoopsology at Manscaped.com. The Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped has arrived and all man is a game changer. A huge shout out goes to Manscaped for hooking Matt and I up with the Performance Package. Inside this package, you'll find a lot of useful items. You'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer that you've probably heard of before. You'll also find their new weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer. You'll find crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner. Don't sleep on those products, gentlemen. Performance boxer briefs and a travel bag. And for my bearded brethren, and I know there are a lot of you out there, be sure to check out the new Beard Hedger, which is a tool that makes managing your beard so much easier. 20 different instantly adjustable length options. No more messing with multiple clips with your trimmer. It's a really slick and ingenious product. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Hoopsology. That's H-O-O-P-S-O-L-O-G-Y at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code Hoopsology. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. We thank Manscaped for supporting the show.